Welcome to the Mudroom, wherever you are. This is Mudroom Voice, audio recordings of pieces written at the Mudroom blog, read by the author herself. Welcome to the Invisible Church, written by Nicole Wu. The best church conversations, she messaged, happen in the halls while the sermon's going on. I smiled as it surfaced in a text thread with Sarah Guerrero. Watch for her piece later this month. She's not wrong. This isn't to discount the goings-on inside. Worship leaders, sermon sayers, AV players, your blood, sweat, and tears are a sacred offering. Nicole T. Walters, you're preaching this week. Forgive me. But maybe even you agree. That's where it happened for me anyway, in a four-way foyer conversation that unveiled what was hiding in plain sight. There in the hallways, I met the invisible church. My friend and I played hooky from the sermon and sank into oversized couches planted right outside the sanctuary. You know them, the ones that cradle 20 years of dust, visitor cards scribbled over with stick bodies and remnants of Sunday school crafts. So vast are they that you think twice before descending into their depths. But we risked it, just so we could sit in a solitary space. The brick wall separating us from the sermon was as much a metaphorical barrier as it was a literal one. Years ago, hard felt and heartfelt differences in biblical interpretation caused collision and division in our congregation. There were casualties and loss. My friend still smarted from the whiplash of it all. I could see it in her eyes. Why do we turn away when our brother is bleeding? Why do we build the wall and then call it freedom? If we're free, tell me why I can't look in my brother's eye. From the Broadway musical, Hades Town. The couch coughed up another reason. I brushed it aside as we chatted over the sermon's hum. Before we knew it, another woman sunk in beside us. My friends, and especially my husband, will testify that I'm seldom short on words, but this time was different. A casual, how are you, wouldn't do. Not for her. Not for this woman who waited at her husband's bedside for years. His disease took its time, but took no prisoners. Even as she mourned his death, she struggled to embrace the new life that meant caring for her disabled son alone. She deserved more than that. More than, bless your heart, or I don't know how you do it, or God must have a greater plan. No random verses wielded out of context or platitudes would do. So we sat instead, leaned in, listened, and looked as she spoke of things we could barely fathom. We almost missed the other woman, paused at the sanctuary door, looking back at us as she grasped its bronze handle. Almost. My marriage is hanging by a thread, she answered to the, how is it going? We laughed at her. It fell like a ton of bricks in front of us, as if the foyer wall had instantly crumbled to the ground, like Jericho, only without all the fanfare. So we held her words and her gaze for a few moments. Then she tiptoed over the rubble and slipped silently back into her sanctuary seat. We practically missed her and the woman that came before and each other, hard-carrying members all of the invisible church. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Matthew 9, 22. The God who sees. She bled for over a decade. In desperation, she reached out to Jesus. If I only touch his cloak, she thought, I will be healed. She wasn't wrong. In an instant, he delivered her from it all. 
It's not surprising that we linger on the beauty of this moment, on Jesus's compassion, his healing power, and the woman's bold, brash faith. But let's not brush by the beginning of the story. Jesus turned, Matthew writes, and saw her. He saw her, not just another face in the crowd pressing in on him, but a broken and beloved image bearer of himself. It wasn't the first time Jesus lifted his eyes to the seemingly unseen. It certainly wasn't and isn't the last. Google it. Here are just a few. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat, Matthew reports. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Matthew 9, 2. Just a few verses later, Matthew adds his own life-changing encounter with his Lord. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Matthew 9, 9. Other gospels apply similar brushstrokes that paint a seeing savior. In Mark, Jesus saw the sheep without a shepherd and then fed the hungry crowds on the banks of Galilee's sea. He fed more than 5,000 of them with five loaves and two fish. Mark 6, 34. Luke tells us how Jesus saw a crippled woman in the temple, bent over and unable to straighten herself until he healed her on that Sabbath day. Chapter 13, 10 through 13. Likewise, he saw the poor widow's offering at the temple treasury and turned giving totally on its head. Luke 21, 1 through 3. The Apostle John, too, remembers the God who sees, how Jesus saw the blind man who couldn't see him back until that very day. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. How he saw Mary weeping for her dead brother and then brought him back to life. John 11, 33 through 35. How hanging from the cross, Jesus saw his mother and arranged for her care. John 19, 25 through 27. And the list goes on from roadsides, boat hulls, and a well to poolsides and temple courtyards. Even as he hung on a cross, Jesus saw them tax collectors, adulteresses, the disease-ridden, demon-possessed, vulnerable, hungry, and poor. Most lived on the fringes of society's fabric. All were image-bearers of a king. The king saw them, and they were never the same. As the sermon ended, so did our hallway conversations. We didn't agree, my friend and I, when it all came down years ago. Like the brick wall that separated the foyer from the sanctuary, we stood on opposite sides of a disputed doctrine. But not seeing eye to eye with someone doesn't mean you can't see them. Walls, as Joshua and Rahab will tell you, don't last forever. Freedom often rises from the rubble. If we will only look. Next to you, Q-side or Couchside, were members of the Invisible Church. The man who sat beside his wife for 20 years and suddenly sits alone. The depressed college student who barely made it out of bed. The couple who, after COVID, is running out of reasons to return. The woman who hears the music of a baby's coos in the row behind her and wonders if she will ever hear her own sing. The autistic grade schooler who winces when the praise chorus makes her ears ring. Lord Jesus, will you lift the veil so that we can see them too? Your church and all of its glory. And may we never be the same. Thanks for joining us today. 
Mudroom Voice is a production of the Mudroom Blog. It's executive produced by Tammy Perlmutter. It's produced and edited by Nicole Wu. A very special thanks to recording artist Krista Wells for our theme song, More Than I Am. Graphic design by Amanda Tingle-Taylor. For more on the Mudroom, a place for stories emerging in the midst of the mess, visit mudroomblog.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you here next time at the Mudroom, where the door it's always open. And I think the one who sent you could see knows how much you've meant to me. How we need each other, we are sisters and brothers of islands are great to visit but i have found we aren't meant to live apart i thank the one who sent you because he knows how much you've meant to me how we need each other we are sisters and brothers of islands are great to visit but i have found we aren't meant to live apart mm-hmm. you make me more than i am